the podcast very few fast for. The place where you'll get the truth if you can stay awake long enough. Yes, you've got it. It's Snag Says. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Uh, Snag Says Podcast 8. Very special occasion. Uh, good friend of mine and uh, uh, well known to you, I would imagine. Um, young Eric Banner's joined us. One, two, one, two. One, two. No, th- we finished that. that. that uh, that's. Look, are you comfortable? I'd like you to try and be a little bit professional. Make some effort to be. You got the levels set. I don't. Is it, uh, the, are they, how are they? Are they good. Are they right. It, there was one that I heard when I was on the Hume Highway. Um, do I bring this up or? Well, I don't. You know, we've all we all make our early mistakes. I mean, um, we you know, there's things we're none. We've all got things we're not proud. of. I was of. on the Hume Highway. Where were you going? With with my daughter Sophia, who was half asleep, and I was attempting to listen to you and Groff. Attempting to listen, and, yeah. and the levels, let's say, were a bit inconsistent, which involved me riding the volume uh, to such an extent that I reckon I woke her up about thirty times. So one two, one two. Are we are we both coming out of so this is a going. speaker somewhere? You know, I've talked this up a bit. You know, like. This was kind of you, one two you're one my, two. You're my trump card, and you know I was sort of hoping that. But look, yeah, look, you make your mistakes early. Fortunately, no one listens. That's the upside. The, it did improve. It did improve. It has after. got better. It has got better. Now I remember when I first said, Eric, now you should come and do the podcast, and I sensed the sort of strange reluctance. I thought, you know, I'm I'm not a man without, you know, uh, perception, and I thought, gee, I thought he would have jumped at that, but. Clearly, being the professional he is, he's thought it through. He goes, this bloke hasn't got a clue. He's, he's, he, he, there's no hope this is going to work. It's no reflection on you, Greg. You, you, no. you, you are you are now a media personality. I, I am a, a journalist. Media. I am. Thanks, mate. But but you never claim to be that. a a audio technician. I never and this said is that something that you've now can add to your bow. I've pushed it. I've pushed the boundaries, and uh, you, you felt safe to come today. You think. <laughs> But he, look, he didn't feel that good. I said, "Sit down. I just got to run through a couple of things." Well, he grew a beard. I think he, he waited for the Herald to come out. Went and got a coffee. Uh, but I think we're all right. I'm okay. just looking at the levels now, and everything's all right. Excellent. Now, where do we start? You know, you're used to doing Jimmy Fallon and uh, Leno. You know, uh, some of the the uh, the bigger names in in my realm. My your sphere, peers. Your my, peers. My peers. Yeah. Um. Where does this rank sort of in your... This ranks in, in the weird category because, um, <laughs> A, I have to keep reminding myself that I'm not on the phone with you. It's a bloody good trick, by the way. What's that? Well, just... I've never been interviewed by a close mate before. Right. Um, so, I, I, again, I have to remind myself this is not a phone call and I have to be, be careful. Be a little careful. Be a, just a little yeah. careful. Yes. Um, and secondly... I, you know me, I like to hide under a rock. So I don't do. usually talk to people unless I'm forced to. And I don't have anything to promote <laughs> other than you. <laughs> so, yes. Do you feel like so, you're doing me a bit of a favour? So, no, it's just... Because I feel like just, I'm doing you a bit of a favour. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it, expanding my, my listenership by whatever it is. <laughs> 80. Um, so it's new territory for me. And, and no, in all honesty, I don't mind this sort of thing because 95% of the time when you're doing press... And this is not press. No, um, uh, it, it's it's short format. You never really get to have a chat. There's the odd, the odd. Uh, I remember my, my publicist, who's obviously based in the states, 
sometimes when we're going through publicity stuff and I'll say to her, well, what about radio? And they, they look at you like you're, you're, you're mad because people tend not to do it's not it's not a done thing as, a, as actors doing a lot of radio you just do the talk shows and stuff and I'm always saying oh I, I don't know about what it's like for you but radio is really big in Australia and that's how you reach people yes and it's different over there I mean I know the podcasting is getting bigger but they would always be a bit taken aback when I would insist on doing some local radio you know so um, well, you've done. You've got a bit of a history in radio as well. Haven't done a fair bit of radio over the years. Yeah, I mean a little bit years ago. Um, did a little bit of stuff with with Dave O'Neill many yes. many years ago. We had a sh- a show for a little while on Sunday nights called the Schnitzel Brothers. That's right, I do remember it. Which was which was great until you had to go back in on the Monday and have it replayed to yourself. And I just went, no, that's that's not going to happen. <laughs> um, so that didn't last too long. So that's all pre recorded. That stuff. No, we were live. Right, danger. Danger. Yeah. Well, that that harks back to what you're probably um, talking about in regard to, yes, we talk on the phone, and as mates do, you're probably, you know, not everything you say you want broadcast. Uh, Everybody's the same. doesn't matter who you are. Mm. There's things that you talk about. I'm sure when Donald Trump was in the bus, you know, that had he known that he was reaching... He would have said more. He he possibly (laughs) would have gone a bit further with it. So you you do have to pull yourself up a little bit, but that's the beauty of the pre-record. Right, because you know, if you do block your copybook, you can um, you can go back and fix those sorts of things. So I I do uh, recognise that um, uh, whilst we are old friends, it is a, it's a, a bit of a minefield for you to have stuff out there in the in the digital world that mm. can bite you on the arse. You know, it used to be it used to be a lot of fun. I remember years ago when I started, you could do a radio interview for you know if you're on tour, doing stand-up as I was, you'd, you'd go into a local radio station in Shepparton or wherever. Actually, even early days of acting. And whatever you said to that person was just for that radio station. Mm. And now when you do a piece of press, it doesn't matter how obscure, it doesn't matter if someone's got 50 listeners or 3 million, mm. it's all the same because of the pull-out quotes. Mm. So it's. I feel sorry for people that do your job because I think – in general, you end up talking to a lot of people who are having to be really careful because that's now just the reality. Mm. You know, the pull quote gets picked up by anyone, and then it just it does make you a bit more a bit more guarded. Mm. It's not so much for me because I don't have a boss and no. I can't really be sacked from anything. No, um, but I do. I am conscious that for for most people, that's you know, it has it has changed the landscape. I mean, it's good. I mean, it means that you know you get to hear pieces of an interview that were conducted in Helsinki mm. that you weren't mm. going to tune into or whatever, but that's the downside of it. Mm. The, the information superhighway, we call it in this yeah. game. Eric, at this end of the uh, the microphone. The information Hume Highway. <laughs> it is, it's very much the information Hume Highway. Now, uh, you did mention that you are notoriously... Um, hard to reach for a lot of people now i don't mean i i don't mean that in any disparaging manner but you uh you're certainly not the bloke that's going to be seen at uh, page three of who weekly falling out of a nightclub at four in the morning um and you that's the way you are you are a pretty private sort of guy um and you guard that very closely and i know that you get invited Mm. to this that and the other thing and your standard shtick is no Mm. um it's got to be something pretty special to get you to to do it um has that served you well? Oh, I, I think it. I mean, I think it. I think it has in the sense that I really do. 
uh, as much as one can expect in my job, I do get left alone. You know, I really, if you'd have said to me 20 years ago, you'll do this, but you'll also not have to pay the price there, I probably wouldn't have believed you. Mm. Um, and if I'm ever trying to give advice to young people, I can't give acting advice because I, because the way that I entered the business is so unusual. It's hard for me to, to give that sort of advice. But in terms of, you know, what to do if you were lucky enough to get there, um, you can sort of write your own rules. And I, I, I do think I'm one of the lucky ones. I do get to have it a bit a bit both ways. Mm. I mean, I've worked at it as well. Mm. But, um, I've seen that in action. But uh, on the other hand, I do think there is a subconscious respect by those people that could exploit that, that they just kind of leave you alone a bit, mm. you know? Is it and I'm de- being dead freaking boring helps immensely. I'm sure that if I well, were to do out. something stupid tomorrow, it, it's, you know, the it'd be game on. on. Yeah, so I'm, sure. not, I'm, not, um, I'm not saying that, that they like me that much. Uh, it's just that uh, I've been lucky enough to not come across too much drama Probably as well. Probably a bit of luck and a bit of cultivation's worked well for you. I get that. I mean, I see that, uh, you know, imagine uh, someone at 20 years of age. A, a good example, I mean, mm. it's a go-to, Bieber, for example. I think, you know, people bag that kid. Fuck me, how could you possibly have had a normal approach to anything? And imagine at 16 being delivered of what he was delivered of. Hmm. and try and have something like a balanced view of the planet. Yeah, and I think also, I don't care what age you are, I think there's a period of, it takes a while to work it all out. I mean, I was very lucky. I, I wasn't known to the public until I was, you know, well into my 20s, you know, full frontal. I mean, I was doing stand-up early 20s. I didn't get on TV till I was, I think, 23 or 24. Hmm. Um didn't still have a reasonably young, you would it's say. It's still reasonable, but it's not 16 or 17. But what I'm saying is it took me a while to work it out. And then there was like another shift when my profile went from local to international. There's a different sort of pressure and it takes a while to sort of adjust. Mm. Um, so I do feel for people who just suddenly have to deal with it all in one go. Mm. You know, I, I, I was lucky. I, I was, you know, test driving at the local track mm. before you know, getting on the big one. So it was, it was easier for me. Mm. And it was also, the world was different and the media was different and um, it was just a bit, a bit more manageable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it's, I, I wrote a couple of things down, not that I needed to because, you know, we could talk for hours. In fact, we often do. I'm sure we drive people crazy by being on the phone for as long as we are. But uh, I can, we've come a long way from the Footscray Cheer Squad. Oh, what's that you're doing? Yeah. <laughs> it was it Inside Football? Inside was that the football? magazine? Which I think was one of the early magazines we worked together. Do you want to tell a story? Well, I, I, I'll tell, and you can interrupt where you think I'm <sighs> bullshitting, which will probably come fairly early. But Eric was uh, it was uh, very much in the lim- in the limelight here, and uh, uh, he's involved in uh, football. He's a mad football supporter, a St Kilda. He lives the tragedy that that I do. And uh, I was, I thought, now I know Eric. I'll, I'll give him a call, and uh, on the off chance he might do a column for us. He's interested in footy, um, and uh, I must have got him at a down moment, or he, you know, early in the morning, or something, where he agreed. And we agreed on a figure, and uh, the plan was Eric would uh, supply four or five hundred golden words every month, and it would appear in Inside Football magazine with a 
I dress him up in something stupid. I mean, it was pretty ridiculous. <laughs> I looked at him, I saw, I was watching Troy the other night and I said, Jesus, this is a long way from the foot's right to squad. But uh, uh, I sort of um, somehow managed to get him to go and sit in amongst the fits, uh, it was a week in the rate. life. Hang on, it was worse than that. It was a week in the life. <laughs> right away you go. Being a Footscray supporter, including <laughs> going to the club and and partaking in assisting the banner being That's made. Right, you made the banner. That's going out on the flipping field, helping erect the banner, right. and then sitting with them during a game. The only upside was it wasn't a bulldog St Kilda game. I can't remember who they were playing. I think they got flogged that day. But I was out there pulling the string on the banner you must have been, for the, the Western Bulldogs. What were your thoughts when you're hanging on the end? I've, I've made it. I mean, <laughs> Well, that was actually novel because luckily for me, actually was I think it was at the MCG. So I got to actually walk out on the MCG on game day. So that was, that was you know, thanks, Greg. Yeah, you and the fat Nice. With the but, but, but the town hall on the Wednesday evening with the paper mache and the sticky tape... <laughs> Assembling the thing wasn't one of my highlights. Did I ever send you that four hundred and fifty bucks? Probably owe you that. Still. Oh, I, I, we got a wonderful photo actually. If you look back in the magazine of you there, and there's a look on your face going, "Well, haven't I hit the big time here?" Oh dear. But that that was uh, that was uh, that was the beginning of their premiership chart. I think really. I mean, I think I turned it you around. You might have turned it around yeah, from. They yeah. kicked on from there. So yeah, from on from there, and I mean, it was probably inevitable that um, once you and I had sort of met, the the mutual interest that you and I've got is just incredible. Yeah, it's just every box gets ticked. Yeah, um, as I said, we're both St Kilda supporters, and we live the the dream and the pain and the ups and downs of being a St Kilda supporter. We will win a premiership, and I'll have a week off at um, least, at least a week off, and I'm not taking a jumper off and. Sleeping, I'm just—it's just going to be the greatest moment of my life. Yeah. But I hope it fucking happens because it's been a bit of a wait. Will you move out for that week? Will you just get a room somewhere, or would you something like that? Because I have to. It's going to have to be. I don't want—I don't want my family to witness any of that. There'll be extremes of emotion never seen before. Yeah. Someone Um, should do a doco on that. There was a really nice documentary someone made called the final draw and and as you know the the draw can't happen again they've changed the rules after yes. our ill-fated 2010 draw against Collingwood which we got thrashed in the following week really nice documentary got made I recorded it because I was away at the time watched it the other night for the first time oh my god um could remember every single goal it's a really well made behind the scenes thing about the week leading up to the drawn grand final, the actual game, and then what happened. From both perspectives. Both perspectives, right. yeah. yeah. Interviews with CEOs, with, with Eddie, with, with coaches, with players. Very, very good, but traumatic. You can only just come at it now. <laughs> Rebecca was on her way to bed, and I was halfway through it, and I said, you're going up. You sit next to me whilst I watch this. <laughs> I may need support. You need, you need, to, you need to help me here. It was um, – you just can't – yeah, I – and watching what happened with the Bulldogs last year, it, there was a part of us that were absolutely thrilled for them and insanely Indeed. jealous at the same time. It was it was probably as close as St Kilda supporters can get yeah. to pure joy on Grand Final Day because we just couldn't help but relate to the emotion of the Bulldog supporter mm. in in the in the rawest of sense. Mm. Um, because it was like we were channeling our own emotions through them, think, watching it going, this is what it will be like for us. Yeah. This is what it will be like at Morab the day after we win a grand final. Um, 
so yeah it's someone explained it to my wife really well um because she she gets it but she doesn't you know because she's from sydney and she she happily come to a game here and there but she really doesn't understand that total infatuation it was my brother-in-law who said to her but you have to understand that in many instances this will mean more for the supporters than it will for the players Mm. Um, in the sense that we've been in there. I mean, some of these guys might be 19 or 20. They may be playing for clubs that they, don't, that they didn't barrack for as, as kids. Now, it's amazing for them to hold the couple off and have that premiership. Be part of the 22. And, and all that. Yeah. But in terms of total investment emotionally, you know, you and I could be 70. You know, when that premiership comes, it might be next year. It might be when we're 80. I mean, that 19-year-old kid that's just got drafted that was in the bush the year before can't possibly have as much invested hasn't as hasn't got um, the emotional depth and then she finally got it she found that she can't finally that there's the sort of emotional penny sort of sort of dropped well it was yeah. part of uh, further to what you're saying i think the greatest enjoyment i got out of that was uh watching the old people yeah you know with tears in their eyes and and i can die now you know I've, yeah. 1954 was a long time ago um, and yeah, look, it's a at its essence, it's a bunch of uh, strong blokes chasing a bag of wind around a paddock. But it's a lot more than that. It goes to the fabric of of uh, of certainly Melbourne mm. and and wider Australia. But uh, it allows people to talk to each other. It's all that cliched great leveller. Yeah. And every time St Kilda takes me to as close as they do, they put another layer. Of the yeah. enjoyment of what a flag's going to be. You're right. It's like compound interest, isn't it? It's compound interest. It's compound interest to the point that we may actually die of a heart attack when it happens. It, it could. It could do. We may not be wired for it. Look, it might be too much. Um, I know for a fact... Well, interestingly, in uh, 97, I was working for Inside Football magazine, and we should have won that flag. Crows, yeah. Oh, should have won that flag. Ten points up at half time. Barry, yeah. Barry Hall goes fucking berserk. Um, we put Jamie Shanahan on bloody, uh, what's his name? Bloke who kicked five in the second half. Yeah. Uh, the most lithe-footed, uh, what's his name? Oh, yeah, yeah, the brain just deletes that. Yeah, sort of. the ex- um, Jarman. 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 Running around, put Jamie <sighs> Shanahan. Watching. Jamie Shanahan's a friend of mine. He's an absolutely fantastic servant of the game. But he, was, he wasn't built for... No, for and Jarman. he was one out. And he was one out he's the one whole out. time. Like, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Let's not really live that. And that's where the Bulldogs were it was so freaky because they didn't have this pattern. They're not sitting there having watched four or five or six failed attempts. So no. they, they went to grand final day and they just went home winners. But I, look, on paper, and, I, and the, anal- the analogy is that 97 year, they had to win too many finals, in my view, to win that. Yeah. And I'm not a believer in fairy tales. I think we spoke about it. I don't believe in fairy tales. Well, how could we? I mean, Sydney was so prepped to walk in there and go, okay, you've had your fun. Yeah. This is how you do it. They would have gone home going, we've done really well. We pushed, maybe pushed Sydney in a grand yeah. final. This is the recipe. You've got to lose one. We'll come back next year. And I year thought, and... oh, that's, that's how AFL works. Yeah. No. It completely turned on its head and it. It changed the parameters of what's possible. Yeah, I mean, I think it's good. It's good for us that I think young playing groups now just go, okay, you really can just define your own limits, and you know, you can. Do history it. means nothing. You don't have to lose Forget three history. preliminary finals, and you don't have to lose a grand final. And two coaches. So anyway, anyway, moving through that. <sighs> yeah, I remember you saying to me 
Uh, it might have been via text Fuck or whatever. It still hurts. One of the funny things that you said to me. Uh, I think we. I don't think we even spoke about it for months. I don't. I don't think we rang. We even had a conversation about postmortems. I don't think either of us could go there. And it came up. It might have been three months later. And you said, "Look, I've just removed the shotgun from my mouth. <laughs> we can now, now actually discuss this." This was like three or four months after the the event. Yeah. Did you remember the shock of seeing Collingwood stickers on the back of cars the week later? I, I, I remember thinking that that was actually illegal and that I could get out of the car at the set of lights and rip that premiership sticker off the back of the I actually couldn't believe it was happening when I saw it. I couldn't. That they'd I, won that, the flag. Yeah, that was like that, that was the tipping point for me was being stuck in traffic behind a car with a 2010 <laughs> premier sticker oh. on and with a magpie on it. That was the point at which I was like, nah. This, that didn't happen. No. It was just horrible. And another thing that sticks in... We'll, we'll get off this subject because we could be here for yeah. days. Um, watching the Geelong game where the ball hit the post, and I, I was the only bloke in the world that saw it. I'm going, that's hit the post. Yeah. Spencer standing next to me said, yeah, that's hit the post. Why are they giving it a goal, Dad? At the most crucial, what, the 23-minute mark of the final quarter? When it was yeah, very... Yeah, it doesn't get talked about too much, that one. What the fuck? Yeah. I'm standing there going, is it me? That one hurt me more, actually. That one hurt me more than... I was not well the, the day after. I was, no, I was tears in the leech household that day. And, and I don't know if you remember, I remember the weather that next day. It was apocalyptic. It was grey, <laughs> it was windy, it was wet, it was about eight degrees. It was not a good day to wake up. Mood. And I think the first thing that came on, when, and I was by myself at home, and I turned on the television, the replay came on. Oh, no. And it was just, it was all, it was just too Did much. Did you watch it? I watched it, of course, it. of course. I do like to smack myself in the head with a baseball bat. I watched about 15 minutes and then Seriously? then turned it off because I realised it wasn't going to be good. Um, yeah. But we'll be there and uh, all I want to do is see one. I just want to win one. And there's other people, Bruce Eva, great mate of mine. Now, I I consider myself a saint supporter. I know you're pretty died in the wall. Bruce Eva is the most sainted saint on the planet as far as I'm concerned. He bleeds St Kilda. I want to see it when him them win one for him. Yeah, he has given his left nut for that club, and it means more to him than anything. Now, should it? You can argue, oh well, it's a bit silly, but it's not. It's mm. who Bruce is, yeah. and so I'd love to see people that are important to me get uh, get that enjoyment out of it as well. So we'll hang on here, to that. Here. Now, further to that, that yeah. was our first interest, as you can see. Um, we both, bar- you know, tragically barrack for and wonderfully barrack for St Kilda. The heights and lows at St Kilda Football Club support us over many years. And uh, motorsport, of course. Mm-hmm. We've got an interest in motorsport, both rev heads. Certainly are. Motorbikes and cars, which is an odd mix. You don't often yeah. get the two. Yeah, and I think we're similar in that in that we we could not do without the other. No. I know there are some people that would be happy to just never drive a car again who are motorcycle people, and there are some car people who are not interested in bikes, whatever. I couldn't live with that. Without either, no. Um, under any circumstances, mm. um, there'll always be something in your shed. Yeah, and I'm uh, one of the lucky ones in the sense that I never stopped riding. I remember there was a period there of about ten years, and I think everyone goes through. Anyone who's my age or your age um, that's ridden all their life, there was always that period where all your your co-riding mates sort of dropped off the perch, not dropped off the p- but they just stopped riding for yeah, whatever reason whatever, run yeah. out of money missus doesn't Kids, like it blah, blah, blah. yeah 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 um and i never 
yeah, I, I, I've really struggled with that. I, I can see how it happens, but um, I never stopped. I never stopped. And actually, I, I probably wrote even more after I had, had kids. I think I needed it even more after the kids were born. That blast on a yeah. Sunday sort of thing. It yeah. changes your writing, but yeah, you... But look, there is the, um, there's the stock thing of you do recognise your mortality and you do behave yourself and all that sort of stuff. Um, it does change your writing a little bit, but think yeah it's the greatest pressure reliever mm. of all time um and uh ownership's always been fantastic you've always owned something haven't you yeah i yeah. remember 900 ss many when we first knocking around yeah together. yeah that was my first duke it was back in the day when you couldn't walk into a ducati dealer and buy a ducati you had to you know beg sit to sit on one right. i remember going to the dealership in the city many years ago and i was not allowed to sit on one what did not just wasn't allowed to sit on one don't do it um and that was, you know, in the day where it was a 12-month wait and then it became a six-month wait. So my first one was, uh, I think I was going to have to wait 12 months. And then I found a 900SS in Queensland that someone had purchased. It arrived and they couldn't pay it off. Um, and I was able to snap that one up and, and drag it down to Melbourne. So that was, I think that was a 94, 93 or 94, 900SS. That was, was my first duke. No, no, it wasn't a white frame. It was the, it was, uh, the kind of gold, oh, yep, dark yep, dark yep. sort of gold colour, just your classic 900SS. Um, yeah, good bike. Steering, uh, turning circle of a road train. Oh, I know. They, Easiest bike to drop on planet Earth if you went to do a U-turn. Nearly, or, oh. or the servo U-turn. Oh. Um, that was a period where they put no lock Or the hilly the- U-turn. I nearly dropped it at the back of lawn one day. <laughs> I, I went up the hill, then I turned left into a side street that had such a camber on it, and I and I picked the wrong way. I picked the wrong way. I went to the high side, and then went to turn turn left, and of course it just fell in on itself because it had no, no steering lock, and I and I ended up holding it up with my knee and my calf for about five seconds and wrenching it back up. But yeah, it was it was one of the easiest bikes to people used to say, "Well, Ducatis," and I said, "No, nah, no problem. Easy to ride, just as long as you." Going 100 k that, Yeah, that, shocking. The <laughs> dynamic at the front end. And oh. it, you do that thing where you, you're doing that U-turn and you go for a bit of front brake. Yeah. And she just, there's no lock. There's yeah. nothing. To, and when they finally did put some lock on them, I can't remember, later than the 916, I don't one of the later. I think it was around the bikes. ST2, ST4. But you, then you used to jam your thumb on the tank. Yeah. <laughs> so you'd go home with a broken thumb and hope. Yeah. And, uh, My either, ZX7 used to do that as well. Shocking. Yeah. Ridiculous. They don't seem to be as bad now. I don't know why. It was a bad period, wasn't it? Mm. But why Ducati was, you say it was 94. That, uh, I'm just thinking that was the start of the Fogarty era, era wasn't it, really, in superbikes? About 94? Where he started, around that time where they Ducati became a superbike force? Hang on, 93, 94 would have been Oh, just before, I'm trying to think, what year just did the 916 come out? 94? Okay, so yeah, it was exactly that time. I reckon about 94. I think it was a switch. I think when I got my 900SS, I don't think the 916s had started racing yet. Um, I think it was the it was the switch over period when it was the RC30s. Yeah, because I'm, I remember watching Kirk McCarthy on an 851 at Phillip right. Island. Yes. So they were still racing RC30s and 851s and 888s. Uh, and then they switched over to the night. Yeah, but that was the heyday, the World Superbike period of the 916s. And so Aaron was it the 916 and- that you settled for, not that I'm disparaging a mm. 900SS, but a 916 is what everybody wanted. 
No, they hadn't come out yet, I don't think. Oh, right, I hadn't I don't seen think them. They, I, th- I remember the first time I saw one on the road, I think I'd already owned the 900SS here in Australia. Yep. Um, so the two valves were still the go. And, and and they were expensive too, the 916, when they first came they out. They were too. was a bit cheaper. You would have waited for a 916 too, probably. And they looked... I, mean, I never forget... Remember the first time you saw one in the flesh? Oh, still. It, it was like an alien. It was yeah, like an yeah. alien had landed on Earth. Yep. Um, it still holds. Isn't oh. it incredible that we're talking what... Mate, that's 23 years ago. Yeah. It is amazing. Yeah, and it still looks good. You would wheel that out now if someone invented... You'd say that is a horn-looking, modern motorcycle. Yeah. Um, but it, probably... Go close to the most beautiful motorbike I've ever seen. I'd love to own one. Every time I've ever ridden one, it's they're dynamically challenging. Yeah, for me, they're hard work on the road, on the track, on the track they still work. Same as it. They still work on Ducatis, the track. You ride a Ducati on your track, and you go, "I know what Ducati's about." You yeah. ride one at a, from Port Melbourne to Ports <laughs> Portsea on a bad Sunday. You go, oh, "I'm going to push it into the bay." Yeah, yeah. No, you're not. You're not. You're not wrong there. You're but then wrong. again, there's, the, you know, uh, cars and, you know, top-end sports stuff. But I remember a mate of mine bought a 900SS and I thought it was fabulous. Mm. I felt like I felt like Fogarty and booming loud exhaust, all 70 horsepower of the frigging yeah. thing, you know. Yeah. Head studs blowing off. Left mine right was very center. reliable, actually. I, when I got rid of mine, I don't think I had a single single issue with it. It was absolutely head, perfect. No head stud problems? No, nothing at all. So what did you, why, tell me, I know you loved that bike and mm. what, what came... Why did go? Because I had a, I had, and still do. A, a, my favourite Ducati ever made was the SP3, the 851 SP3 yes. that I managed to find, and that was always my dream Duke. Yes. Uh, so when I found my 851, which I still own today, I got rid of the 900 SS. Um, so and that, that made that is, way, and, and that made yeah help finance was, and yeah it was the it was kind of the, the SS kind of paved the way for the SP3, which yeah. still today is just the the best sounding road machine I think I've ever been on or in. It's so it still does the job. Hundred percent factory, close ratio box, race cams, Olin's front and rear, carbon front and rear, everything factory. Um and it's a sort of bike it's one of the few Ducatis that you can ride just at the speed limit and still really enjoy it. Still get a thrill. Yeah. Do you get a chance to have a ride? You haven't ridden that for a while, have you? Yeah, no, I ride that around. Do you? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 actually really nice to ride on the road. It's actually a really nice bike on the road. Okay, so that's all yeah. in full reg and. Yep. Okay. Yep. So uh, you are a Ducati man, mm. but recently uh, you've sort of gone over to the dark side. Which dark side? Are we well, to? well, you know, you, you you're pretty much a committed sports guy, you know, and. Uh, None of us is getting any younger, Eric. Mm-hmm. None of us is getting any younger, and that's how the world goes. But um, not all of us jump onto a BMW, you know, in our forties. And uh, I'm just wondering what's taking you over to. Uh, yeah, it's a good over question. To the Bavarians. It's a good question. Well, like you, always loved a dirt bike, and um, you know, had a motocross bike forever. A RMX 250 was the was the first one, and always enjoyed enduro riding. And then got to the point where I thought, oh, this adventure riding thing looks like a lot of fun. And the BMW didn't make any sense to me because like most people, I looked at it and I didn't really get it. And then I too rode one. Too big and ugly. Too yeah, big yeah. and heavy. And what what are you doing putting knobbies on that? And what is it? looks like a pterodactyl. i got no idea. It looks like <laughs> a cross between a Meccano set and a 
and an engine. And it'll be nice when it's finished. Yeah. And then I I took one for a test ride, and it was just that was it. It was all over. And um, I haven't looked back. And I just absolutely love them. And I just love. I I don't always go on multi days. I'm just happy to just shoot off for the day. But by you myself. do occasionally do it. You you try and get a multi day in every yeah from time to time, don't you? And I, I just in this day and age. It's about the B roads and the C roads. I don't try. I don't do any single track on the on the big. It's an adventure, so it's a big, big bike. It's a big bike. That's yeah. what the four fifty is for. So, um, it's. I just like getting off the tarmac because yeah. people disappear, cars disappear, police disappear, mm. and um, it's just a great. It's just a great place to be. Um, so I think as the as the observing the road limits just got to insane levels in Victoria, the adventure riding thing yes. just makes more sense because even at the speed limit, you're having an absolute ball. Yeah. You know, um, and it's just more fun. It's more fun to ride either by yourself or with mates yep. off-road than it is on-road. Well, when we say off-road, I agree with you. I, I, I understand the adventure ride thing. I don't want to, if I want a single truck, I'm getting too old for single yeah. track anyway. And I see videos of guys with 1200s trying to get up you know, gnarly tracks that are built for a, a 250 or a 450. Too, uh, just go, well, yeah, whatever, and. Yeah, I, you know. I, yeah, and, exactly. But it does give you the choice to go down dirt roads. And yeah. they can get a bit rutty and you'll survive them and you'll get through. Yeah. And it gives you it, it, it gives you a, a entirely new dimension when you look at the map. Uh, you know, That's right. Let, let's go here. Oh, or we can go that way. It's a different road way. network. Completely. Yeah, yeah, it's just you've got, you've got the, the keys to the kingdom. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and there are exceptions, of course. I'm not saying they can't be ridden up a gnarly single track. It's people like our old mate Miles Davis, whose oh, videos on YouTube. I mean, if you don't know who Ridiculous. Miles Davis is, I'm not talking about the trumpet. I'm talking about the the um, freak that works freak. for BMW who can just about do anything on a 1200 that you and I couldn't do on a 250. Yes. Um, so his videos have wrecked a lot of people. I think. Yes. <laughs> Sold a few BMWs. <laughs> I'm sure. And, and broken a couple. Um. But he's the one that defies the laws of physics, and good luck to him. But um, for most of us, it's, yeah, B and C roads. They're very capable. Um, and once again, I mean, not don't want to get too deep in the motorbike thing, but um, BMW basically created a niche where one didn't exist, and they're very good at that. True, but where they really got people like myself is that they, they also – made you feel like you weren't giving up anything for being on it. And what I mean is it's bloody quick on the road. It's a beast on the road. It's it's an absolute weapon on a windy road. And I think there's plenty of circumstances where you'd be way quicker on that than I would be on my yes. head down, bum up, juke. I've, and I've seen that in action. Yeah. So that's the real the real beauty in them is that you don't feel like you're giving up something the day you set out on that. You're not sort of going, oh, I wouldn't mind a bit more horsepower. Mm. Um, particularly with the new one you've got now, which yeah. is what thirty percent more powerful. Yeah, I don't even think it's that, but but by the seat of the pants, it certainly feels like that. I had the air cooled model before that and traded on the new liquid cool, and it's just it's a revelation. It's mm. just ridiculous. So if you had to own one motorbike, it'd be a GS. Oh, you're a bastard. Well, what do you? Well, I just want to know. I mean, you were yeah, it, it, it would be, but you could have said two, and it would have been a lot easier. It would be the eight five one and the GS. But, Very um, difficult. Yeah, no, you're right. It is. It is one bike that can do it all. There's no doubt about it. Except I wouldn't do a track day on a GS. So you, that's when it gets. You, you probably wouldn't, but <laughs> you'd probably get around to a ride. Miles right? would still go around the he outside still, of us on a race bike. He'd, he'd be doing high forties, I reckon. Would he? <laughs> he would. I actually had a ride uh, with a bloke called Brian Ricks. Is a good mate of mine, and he rides well. 
and he rides a 1200GS, and I've got my Blackbird. Now, my Blackbird's got its limitations in that it's a bit of a barge, but it's got no limitations in grunt. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I've probably got 40. No, I've ridden your Blackbird. It's a lovely it's bit a of good, kit. It's a yeah. good thing. It's probably got 50 horsepower on him, and he's a good rider, and I get around all right, and I couldn't get past him. Yeah, we, we kept up with one another. It was balls out. Yeah, flat knack. It's just the talk. It's the low down talk. And those guys know how to ride. You know how to ride a GS. You can be. You get out quicker. You can't get round them. Yeah, they get out. They they slingshot out. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, look, BMW. Once again, well, look, I'm, you've probably you've blotted out the fact that I was having a bit of a crack at you. That you know, usually <laughs> the story used to go. Fred Gasset would have it once you ride a BMW. You know, um, it's uh, pipe and slippers. Yeah. But they're not like that anymore, are they? No, look, their their range is pretty insane at the moment, actually. Yeah. They have just, you know, when they came out with the 1,000RR a few years ago and just completely tore up the rule book for sports bikes. Yeah. I mean, we've got them to thank for the current crop. What no a doubt. thing. What a thing. What an, I, I didn't like the first generation. Well, when we it went came, for a ride, I remember did. you said, we both came to the conclusion there's too much bike. That yep. was my view. Absolutely. I can't ride it. It's too fast. Yeah. Uh, and I, I didn't think it had enough feedback for for the amount of performance. Um, I've changed. I've come around with a newer version. I think yeah, it's you rode the new one vastly didn't improved. And and um, you know, if that's on your on your wish list, you could do a lot worse than a thousand RR. It's an incredible, incredible bike. But now their range is pretty pretty amazing. What they've done the last you know five six seven. Well, they've years. finally shaken off that. Well, that doesn't exist anymore. No. The BMW thing does it. The young young people look at you and go, "What are you talking? What about? What are you talking about? Yeah. Have a look at the, yeah. the, the and now the old ones are cool. The ones that that earned them the reputation for being the moccasin brigade. Now they're cool. Everyone now the hipsters are, are turning them into cafe races, and and they're worth money. Yeah. So there you go. Well done, BMW. Well done, the BMW. Well, the S one thousand XR. Have you ridden that? I haven't. Um, oh my god. Yeah, I'm sure. That's a wonderful piece of kit too. That's a. Uh, yeah. Again, it just I'm just as you were speaking, I was thinking about their range and you're right, there's something for everybody. They probably didn't do too well with their smaller stuff. Um, you know, they uh that when they tried to bring out the big dirt bikes. I don't think they did terribly well there. Like the Sato or whatever it was called. Oh, no, the, the I'm trying to think you're going to ask me for the model name, I can't remember, but they the 400s the, and 500 uh maybe oh, 600s. Not the not the the Mini sort of GSs, the, no, the no, Dakar six fifties, no, 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 smaller again, the dirt smaller bikes, again. Oh no, you're right. Sorry, yeah, the uh, what they call like a Model X or so, yeah, something X, weird. X, the four fifties. They bought out four fifties. They had to go at the enduro market and that didn't got work. smacked. Yeah, uh, a mate of mine tried to ride one of them across Russia and left most of it there. I got no interest in being a test rider for for an enduro market. I mean, I had a Husqvarna four fifty. Which left me stranded a few times, and then I just went, "Why am I being a, That's a right, factory yeah. test pilot for a bike that hasn't been sorted?" And I quickly went and bought a Yamaha. Yamaha, and haven't haven't looked back. Haven't looked back. Um, but yeah, the, the bush is not a place to take a new model motorcycle. I don't think. No, that's probably the only time they've they've got it wrong. I think, and I, I think they've virtually given it the arse. I haven't seen them go mad chasing it. Why would you? I mean, they no. own, they own the big bike adventure market. Although, having said that, I'm on that Africa Twin. That's a bloody wonderful thing for the money to. Anyway, enough about motorbikes. Jeez, we could do. People we could, are getting we bored. Could do a eight hours on. Oh, we could do bikes. But don't you reckon people that have thought, you know, I put, I've got Eric Banner on my. Podcast. I'll, I'll hear this this finished version edited, and I'll go, 
where's the four hours we spoke about motorcycles gone? <laughs> <laughs> now, what about cars? You've, now, you rumbled up in the XP today. Yeah. You know, the love of your life. And, you know, if, if it was a more generic interview, I'd bother with going through Eric's had his XP for us. But people know all that. Hmm. That's, that's part of... Well, let's just get, you know, for those who don't know, yes, it's repaired and it's on the road. It's on the road. Onwards we go. Yes. So, yeah, can we move on from that? It's amazing how many people still don't know that. But anyway. Watch that. I wrote an article about it and no one, once again. (laughs) Did no one read Greg's expose? Didn't you read? I mean, it was. He did the story. They're too busy looking at Who Weekly, aren't they? (laughs) Maybe that's what I've got to do. Put it in Who Weekly. Uh, uh, Just get pissed and fall out of a nightclub. No, it's he's back on the road. Has been for quite some time now, coming up to three or four years. But anyway, all good. It is three or four years, isn't Mm, it? It's been a while. So that moves to you know your love of cars and stuff, and you know uh, targets and all that sort of stuff that you've done. The uh, the uh, circuit racing, Porsche circuit racing, lots of lots of racing, uh, Lambos at bloody uh, twelve hours. Mm -hmm. That's all been kept pretty low key in regard to a lot of people wouldn't be aware of the depth of your. Uh, motorsport um, a dossier really mm-hmm. yeah you know it's not something you go oh look at me I'm, I'm a famous race car driver um, do you miss racing I do and I don't um, I do miss the thrill I'd miss Bathurst as you say did the 12 hour on three occasions and the last one was particularly special a few good result it was a good result and it was a ridiculously good car that j- just managed to hold together that's a whole other story um i do miss it a bit i certainly don't miss paying for it mm, um jesus uh and and it's a funny and, that, and that's the thing about bikes it comes back to that you know if you if you weren't into bikes i th- it, it'd be a different thing but every time i go to go motor racing i say to myself there's that or i could Put on a fresh knobby every time I go riding for the next hundred years. Yeah, you know, I know it sounds ridiculous, but no, it doesn't. Some, not you, at all. You do get to a point where you go, I, I'm just I'm finding this hard to swallow. Yeah. Um, and it sort of moved on the last few years. The cost of racing a GT3 car is now astronomical. Um, and it was just a time of life. You know, um, Klaus is now 17 in year 12. Sophia's, you know, in year nine. So the last sort of three or four years, it's just really been about parenting i mean it always has been but you just you just do you get to the crunch years i guess and i just went i don't really have time to switch my brain off to go motor racing Mm. um so i just took a little bit of a break one of my teammates went through a marital situation which which made the decision a bit easier as well so and i like racing with with friends i don't i'm not you know helmet and suit guy that can just turn up to the track and just be slotted into a team i like to do it for fun so yeah, I, I miss it a little bit, but I've got to say, in all honesty, I get just as much joy at the back of Anglesey on my 450. Yes. And that, that's the God's honest truth. So me and one other mate with a couple of dirt bikes in the trailer, and I'm happy. Yeah, yeah. You know? mm. um, and it's certainly a lot easier to organise. <laughs> unless, unless, of course, you're oh. riding the Husqvarna, which... Can, <laughs> can we have a little pricey of your, your Husqvarna moments? Or I got towed out of Anglesey three times. <laughs> um, and I, to this day, I don't know how because we were twice. We were deep. We were deep in in, in the Otways, and uh, Robbo on his trusty Yamaha managed to get me out twice with a tow rope. I don't know how we did it, um, and I wish I had had a GoPro because how we both survived, I've got no idea. Um, but no, I just it's about the best day out there is. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it's funny because. 
there's an annual get together of journos called Chumps. You might be aware of it's just basically a piss up in the bush. We all ride to. Uh, the the one rule is that it's equidistant between Melbourne and Sydney, and there's good roads in, so mm-hmm. you have fun riding in. And basically, it's an excuse to get go and knock around with your mates, get pissed for a weekend, and ride ride too far home with a headache, you know, on the Sunday or the Monday, and you've got a nice tax chit. Of course, it's a symposium, you know. Um, and I remember I was going, I was Rome or Spain or some bloody, you know, Seville or some bloody where, and uh, uh, Kerry was still with us, God bless her, and uh, it interfered with chumps, and uh, and I was. Walking around the house, fuck. She goes, what? And I go, oh, I've got to go to frigging you know, Barcelona or something and ride a motorbike. And Chumps is on. She said, where's Chumps? I said, oh, the other side of Albury, you know. It's in Teldra. <laughs> it's in Teldra. <laughs> I can get the GPZ 750. It wasn't even the 900. I could get that out and ride up there or go and ride a super sport bike and in uh, Barcelona. And in all truth, I, I was serious. It was much more fun to me. Uh, the thought of knocking around good blokes and listening on a having a quiet beer after a good ride on a on a, um, uh, a balcony outside a pub with a listen pack to, of salt and vinegar. Listen, and in those days, a good Chesterfield, um, <laughs> and you'll laugh your head off, and you'll go to bed a happy yeah. man. And those things still remain, yeah. don't they? They still no, remain. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. And you and I have done it quite a few times. And there is, there's nothing better than I don't like massive groups um, no, all the time. Either. There's a bit of a sweet spot there. One or two people's nice. Two's great. Two's great. You and I have done that, and there's nothing better than just uh, the simplicity of two. Yeah. On reliable machinery, because the days of sitting on the side of the road with spanners is, no. you know, that's appealing somewhat. No, convenient. Um, give me convenience or give me death yeah, these days. I'd rather be moving. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> How do you go with that now? We touched on this before, but. Uh, the uh, the helmet allows you anonymity to some extent, doesn't it? When you when you pull up somewhere, and you, if you don't pull your lid off, you're just one of us. And I know you are just one of us. But mm. you know you, there are reactions of people. I've watched it, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, do you enjoy the anonymity of, yeah. of the helmet? I mean, it's not it's not the reason I ride. I'll be honest. Oh, I know um, that obviously, but um, it's certainly it's certainly a mini bonus for sure. Um, yeah, days like today when you take the beast out, you're not you're not invisible. But that's no, it would be a travelling road show. That thing. in the right mood. It's just, I call it the smile mobile. <laughs> um, that's fine though, because it's you know it's um it, it does it makes people smile. You know that car. It's 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 a nice thing to drive. But um, no, it is nice being on the bike and not having to cope think with about second glance else. or yeah yeah. Um, and actual fact, it, it even extends when you take the helmet off. I think as well. It's it's. I always love a local bakery when I'm on the road, yes. and um, it's where I always get my sandwiches from. Yes, and they do. It takes a while for the penny to drop when you walk in with your with your bike gear. Um, just takes that little bit longer. Sometimes it doesn't drop at all, but if it drops, it drops in a different way. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're more inclined to ask you where you're going and where you come from and why you're there and. You almost never get on to work. Yes. If I walk in a pair of jeans and t-shirt, having got out of a car, it'll be a slightly different yes. different thing. So, um, the bike does act as a real good sort of softener. Yeah, you know, yeah. A bit of a buffer. Well, I've noticed too. You know, we've talked about this a lot, but our listeners probably wouldn't know. But um, I think you do very well with that. I think it's a, a very. Uh, yeah, I I observe that when when I'm with you or something. Um, and I think you've, you've got a nice balance of um, 
um, aloof, but you're never rude. Um, it's a very difficult thing. I watch. I think you've walked that line really well. Um, I don't know how I'd go with it myself because I think I've seen people be what I consider to be pretty rude. Um, I know what's in their heart. They're mm. not trying to be rude. But one one example is when we were at the footy, and um, uh, we had our kids there. Now I think when your kid when your kids are on deck, it's a different story. Um, and a lady was persistent about getting a photo with you, and. I thought I'd be telling her to fuck off about now. <laughs> it's truly, that's how I'd be saying, look, it's over. Don't push it. You let her know that normally I don't do this. Um, I'll do it for you. And that's the finish of it sort of thing. And I thought, well, now that you dealt with that really well. Now, imagine there's been lots of times when that, uh, that stuff happens. Uh, but you do keep a civil tongue in your head. Because I suppose mm-hmm. if you tell one to fuck off, where do you finish? And people don't deserve to be told to fuck off. No, no. I, I always, I always say yes. Um, I mean, obvious only exception is you know middle of dinner, but everyone knows that rule. Um, but I figured that if I'm going to the footy, which which I do, and I have regular seats, I really don't get hassled because I'm just sort of part of the furniture in my section. They're all Saint supporters, and I usually get left alone because no big deal. I'll see me the following week. Um, but I figure if I'm if I'm out. Somewhere like that, then you just got to cop it on the chin, and yep. you got you just do it. And it's only when people are rude. Ninety percent, ninety five percent of people are really polite about it. And yes, and if I can, I can always tell if they actually are a fan versus it's just something for Facebook. Yes, um, it's actually it's actually a nice thing to do. Um, it's it's the people that come up and go, I'm just going to grab a the arm is already extended, and they haven't said hello, and they say, I'm just going to grab a photo, mate. Just going to grab a. Yeah, you go, yeah. Oh, we don't even get a hello. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So do you go? With, do you make light of that? Yeah, I do. I always try and try and stab them with a bit of humour. Yes. Um. Yeah. Try and subtly, subtly let them know that you know they could have gone about it a different way. But you know, I it, I I realise you can't rewrite the rules and you just got to roll with it. And I like I say, I, I really have zero to complain about. I people are always positive. I almost never get someone getting in my face. I don't think it's, it's almost never happened. Yes. Um, so I really got nothing to complain about. And my kids, I got to say, I mean, hats off to them. They are fantastic about it. I mean, when they were really little, I used to be no, they'd be mortified now if I said no to someone. That, that right. would just ruin their day. Um, oh, okay. So they're That's really, great. they're really, really good about it. They totally understand, you know, how it works. And, but like I say, people are generally pretty good. I can't Yeah, complain. yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess the, the day they don't want to take a photo with you. <laughs> It's, it's probably, uh, you know, you don't want to be uh, Eddie at the at the fights when you should be at the. Uh, uh, at that was the interesting uh, one. Very interesting. We probably won't go there. We'll probably leave that out because uh, I'll have something to say. Um, now, further to that, uh, I, you've got your two lovely kids. Um, they've been brought up in an um, extraordinary circumstance that has been kept as ordinary as possible, haven't they? Mm. They have a normal lifestyle um i mean i i don't know what it's like you know i I have no clue what brad pitt's got to put up with with his kids and Mm. stuff i imagine it's it's horrible in some way i could i couldn't do it i couldn't i can't imagine it but anyway yeah your your kids have they don't see themselves as um eric banner's uh kids the your dad and and, yeah. and Rebecca's mum and the house is pretty run pretty from what I can see just like a normal old house. Yeah. I don't know what you, people expect. 
Yeah, I don't know actually. What, what, but what I don't the know. fuck is? There's going to be robots running around and the cocaine and hookers and. I, um, I'm not quite house sure. House full of help. That's the other house, thing. House, house full of help. help. Yeah. Um, and they're very well adjusted, normal kids. Yeah, and I, yeah, you know, hats off to Rebecca because a lot of that is is her doing. She has a, she has a real uh, grounded centre. Yes. That she doesn't. Uh, she doesn't like spinning outside the axis. She likes to remain very, very centered. Mm. Um, so a lot of that just comes comes from her. I mean, we're both pretty similar in that respect. So I've, I got lucky. I got real lucky. And you don't know who you're marrying, no. by the way, because no. we we were married before all that stuff. I've seen two came great people have a terrible marriage. You know. It's... Yeah, yeah. So a lot of that's a lot of that's luck. So we kind of you know bounce off each other well in that regard. We just both homebodies who just, you know, like mm. being at home with the kids. So we don't go out that much. I think we go one or two things a year, a tennis and a Grand Prix, and that's about it. I mean, I go to the footy, obviously, but, um, yeah, we don't we don't really go to – you know, my, I feel like my job is to be in movies and out of papers. Yeah, okay. You know, that's yeah. my job. My job description <laughs> the other way is around's not good. to be in movies but somehow out of newspapers. Yes. Um. And every day that I open a newspaper and I'm not in it is a great day yes. for me. Well, know. I'm having a lot of great days. <laughs> I'm waiting You're for living the dream. Says, it won't be long. Do Just going to slide you into a film <laughs> and you've got the, the balance. Perfect. Can you get me in something for fuck's sake? You know, a bit of fame. I'd go all right with. Oh, I don't think I'd need the fame. I wouldn't mind the quid. Yeah, because I've got a good head for podcasting. People have said that uh, this is it's, probably. It looks good today. Actually, you look pretty fresh today. Do I? Yeah, might, might the, have been the coffee. What, what the I know, farms? I've been following you, the, following you. Yeah, hey? I'm very impressed with three you. Three and a half kilos solid I've put on. Very impressed. So I'm fitting well and Good strong. Man. Um The children are... Gus is huge. Kicking goals. Kicking goals. They're going very well. Credit mom. to the airline they are, those two boys. <laughs> Credit to the airline. That's exactly... I'm glad you put it like that. Now, what about... Um, Some people are going, what the fuck yeah, did he just no say? no idea. <laughs> Thank goodness, really. But probably most of it. Um, what I want to know from you is, uh, people want to know this now. It might be a bit of a generic question. This is yeah. sort of, oh, I love a generic. I need a generic. Oh, this is probably a Graham. I can relax now. It's not your Graham Norton. It's probably more your... your <laughs> it's probably more your... Uh, who would it be? Oh, you know, one of those lightweights. Um, do you still enjoy acting? Is it a job of work or do you... Or a bit of everything, you know. What is it for you? Well, it's a good. It's not a stupid question because I think. Thanks for that. Because I think you can go through, uh, like all long relationships. I think you go through periods. Uh, I've definitely been through some. Um, I've, uh, I've been through a couple of periods where I, I didn't love it, and I tried not to work during that that period. Mm. Um, so when you're a bit off, not into it, yeah, or you've just come out of a bad experience and you want to sort of reset or regroup. I've never been someone who enjoys banking up work, so I'm luckily wired differently to a lot of people in the industry. I don't panic about when the next job's coming in. Um, I'm happy to do the job and then go home and hit the reset button before I decide what's next because I figured early on, and this is comes from being a parent, probably. Be, extremely different if i was single um but i just feel like i've got no idea what's going to happen next month 
Mm. I've got no idea. So the thought of committing to things on the horizon that extend beyond as far as I can see scares the absolute bejesus out of me. So I've always just pretty much just done the film and come home and then started to read what to do next Mm. and start from scratch. Um, If I banked them up, if I said to you, Greg, I'm about to go away to Morocco and do a film for two months and I go from that to London for two months, I'd I'd start going insane. I'd just go. So the short answer is yes, I do. Um, It is a bloody amazing job. Uh, but I've yeah I've had a couple of couple of periods where where I you know I felt less desire. <laughs> yeah, well, you, the thing that seems to be as I say, um, your when I ask the question, um, I, you know, do you still enjoy acting? It, you talk about more about the uh, being away, the travel, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the it's not the actual job itself the thing that you, you could probably influence whether you're having a good time or not is being away from the family, lots of time in the air, um, hotels. Yeah, I mean, that definitely, I've gotten used to that, but it's more what kind of work are you doing? I've found is the, is the biggest influencer. So it's become more about being really careful what kind of work it is that, that you're doing. Mm. And making sure that it's the kind of work that you want to be doing, because the minute it's not, it's 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 a long day. Yeah, you know, it's a really long day, um, and it gets back to that thing. It's like you're one of the lucky people that's doing that job for starters. Don't you can't not love it. No, you know, so you've you got don't to have make a right sure not to. you don't have a right not to. You know, mm. um, it's like a race car driver saying, I, "I don't like driving on this track." Yeah, you're not putting you, heads you know, on brooms, are you? <laughs> But what about oh, now? Something I want to ask you is that left field just popped out of my mm. head. But um, as a bloke who I can't remember what I had for dinner last <laughs> night, um, how do you do f- remember lines? How do you make yourself remember that stuff? Look, you you can learn to learn. Um, it, it you think it won't come naturally. You just get there. You do. You just get there. The more time you have, obviously, the easier. I've just just did a film in South Africa where I had a character with a lot of dialogue, an yep. intimidating amount, and there's two or three scenes that are about fourteen pages each, nonstop, with me and one other person. What one hit? One hit. Shit. Myself and Forrest Whitaker. Yep. Yep. He's playing Desmond Tutu, and I'm a, a a prisoner in in jail, and he comes to see me. And the first time I read it, I actually thought to myself. Oh, we're breaking this up into pieces. Yep. All right, no chance because it's mainly me talking and it's shitloads. Um, but I had a long time to live with a script and I just found that over time I would start if – you, if you sit down straight away and try and learn it word for word, you've got no hope. Why don't? Um, so what I do is I just try and live with it and I just pick it up every day and I just read it and I read it again. And I read it without trying to learn it. And by doing that, it just sort of sits in your subconscious and then I, I, I'd rather it slowly sleep in because if I'm learning it verbatim, word for word, just, you know, page by page, I'm not really, how can I put this? I need to understand what's behind the words to be able to learn the words. There's two ways of doing it. Not like a parrot sort of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Sometimes sometimes there'll be that little speech that needs to be learned like a parrot and there's no way around it. But 
it's a lot easier to learn when you understand the emotion and the sentiment and the, 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 the purpose behind it. Then it becomes a lot easier. And secondly, if it's well written, it's really easy to learn. And when it's not, a page will drive you insane. What lumpily written or Yeah, if there's if there's phrases where you're repeating yourself or the other person's repeating themselves, you lose your trigger points, you 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 you, you lose your cues. So when it's written well, it just makes sense and it becomes a joy to to learn mm. and perform. But when it's not, it, it's much, much harder. So I went into that film thinking actually we went on the day we went into the scene with the agreement that we'll break it up into two or three pieces and um, fortunately for me, my co-star was was as well prepped as I was in terms. We just both happened to be in the same place. We're not doing those scenes without stopping every single one of them, um, and that wasn't by design. The poor Steadicam operator was, you know, his, his shoulder was rooted. But um, that's quite an achievement, though, because they talk of that that someone can do one take stuff like that, not one take, but one hit. Yeah, and it's much more fun because I've done plenty of films where, you know, at the end of every page someone's coming in and having to when we went from film to digital the set changed right that the physical tell me about that so when we used to shoot on film the set had a certain sanctity to it and people took things very seriously i'm not saying they don't anymore but when i started doing film in if you happen to look around in the middle of a take is all you saw were people concentrating right you could be in the middle of a take now and you can scan the room and you'll see people on their phones. Oh, okay. On a set. That's possible in, in, in this day and age. So the investment isn't there. It, and, and, and it comes from the move to digital brought about this notion that everything can be fixed in post. Everything well, can I be fixed that, afterwards. I found that with Snag Season. Yeah, well, you, you really can fix it in post, right? Because <laughs> we're not live to air. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, and, and so... With that came this gradual, and also because the film's not running through the through the camera, mm. and we're not having to stop for that film to be reloaded every every few takes. So it brings about this attitude that it's not a big deal if the take gets ruined. Mm. You know, so mm, there's very more, much more chance of there being background noise because people off the side of the set when they're told to shut up might not. You know. Um, because it's not it's actually not that important anymore. Mm. Not as important as it was when the film was running through Getting the, one through the can. It. Yeah. And, and that comes down to uh, the director I just worked with was fantastic and people really respected him. So there was sanctity for the set. It was the first time in a while that I'd seen that. Right. So that enabled someone like Forrest and myself to be able to concentrate harder yep. and be less distracted. I mean, it's, you, you've got to concentrate. It's no different to tennis. You know, I'm sure um, you should be able to play out the point when someone's yelling something out, but it may just distract Throw you, you yeah. a little bit. Have you got better at that? Is, it, is that something you, you grow into? Yeah, for sure. You, you, you can't become, um, I think you just become more, more comfortable in a, in a weird way. I, I really like being on the, on the set. That's when I sort of come into my own you know yes. like so i can learn my lines and we can rehearse and we can chat about it but when i get in the clothes and i get on the set and i'm in the i'm in the right room and i'm with the right person that's when i can feel me hitting the sweet spot yep. i don't feel like i get there in rehearsals or when i'm talking about it um i really feel it you know yep. I, I don't know what method that is but it if works. my character's meant to feel something i'll be i'll be feeling it um 
and that's how I like to work because that that's more rewarding for me. Mm. Um, so I don't know if I've got a long-winded answer to your question. No, it's a good worry. it's a good answer. Is that a buzz when yes. you when you hit it? Yeah, yeah. So the 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 buzz from that is as much today as it was when I first started. In some ways, more like that film I was telling you about that I just finished um, was it. It was special because the the dialogue was so good. It's a kind of film that you you know actors fight over. Um, small. It's always the small ones that we fight over. We don't mm. fight over the big ones. Oddly enough, mm. um, we tend to scramble for the small ones because that's where the the meteor work is. Mm. Um, so there's more competition sometimes for the smaller roles than there is for the bigger roles. Mm. Is that right? Yeah. I wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So when you grab, when you, when you, and it's weird, right? Because people just assume is all you want to do is big stuff, which is the exact opposite of what you, you want to do. For me anyway, I don't mind. Well, I guess people are thinking payday. Yeah. Or they're also thinking, well, why wouldn't you? Like, isn't that the way it's meant to be? Mm. Um, But that just comes from the way the media spins it. They would just assume that bigger is better. That's the way, that's the model, right? The model is you want to, fuck, the word word blockbuster. Marvel and DC, yeah. That is the most overused word in the in the history of film blockbuster mm. Mm. blockbuster now is in it's blockbuster and mansion are the two that just get thrown mansion. around mansion oh, this a is new a man- one for me you're, you're in a mansion oh this house the mansion's got more than one bedroom it's a mansion oh i see the mansion they they, they love and blockbuster they love and i've realized now blockbuster just means that it was made overseas oh <laughs> blockbuster should <laughs> be it for movies that cost you know over 80 million dollars that's yeah. a blockbuster but yeah. A ten million dollar film that was made in America is not a blockbuster. No, you know. So um, where was I going with that? Um, well, the, that sometimes the the smaller roles are the ones that are uh, um, yeah they're, they're chased harder, and harder to get. They are harder to get, and they're um, it's it's where most of the good work is. Um, same with series television, just because the writing's so good, um, and so. I don't, I don't mind visiting big films. Yep. I, I enjoy doing smaller parts in big films. They're still fun. They're fun to to um, to not helm, if that's a word. Uh, it's it's a lot more fun when you come in in week three for for a few weeks. I'm sure you know, and rather than and, being the main guy yeah, in every scene, yeah, which is, which is fun when it's a smaller project. Yes, you know? um, but you know, been there, done that, had had a taste of that early on, and and um, now sort of go the other direction and still enjoy the big stuff for, for a bit of fun. Um, but the smaller stuff is, is you know, where I've sort of gravitated for quite a nice while. Nice to be able to. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess early in a career, you can't pick and choose. You do what's served up to you because, you know, you're making yeah. your way. Yeah, very true. But what about, like, um, uh, things like, say, Romulus, my father, which is, uh, you know... I'm, Biased because I'm a friend of yours, but I think he's a piece. It's a tour de force. I absolutely love that. I can watch that movie. It's in my top five movies of all oh, time. Oh wow, thanks. It's mate. a fabulous movie for lots of reasons, and and one of them is the fact that it's it's little, it's slightly insular, it's certainly rural Victorian. Yeah, it's on the bigger scale, hugely Australian, and I think it's beautifully directed. It looks beautiful. Blah blah blah. Dialogue, whole thing. Um, that makes me think. You must have a favourite movie. I mean, it's a. I'm sorry to ask mm-hmm. that cliched question that probably gives you the shits, but that is there, out of your body of work, is there something that stands out to you? Uh, it's probably a group of them. 
I think it would be unfair. I, I think I'd be lying to myself if I said there was one standout that is an outright favourite. I'd say there's probably a small collection. Um, Romulus would definitely be in there. Um, Munich would be in there. Mm. Um, yeah, there's a few. There's a few that sort of live in that in that space. Yep. Uh, now there's a complete difference. There's were a huge movie, or, or what? Yeah. What I consider a huge movie, Spielberg, bloody, you know. Yeah. Um, incredible story. Uh, brave, brave to go there. Um, yep. Politically dangerous, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Certainly. I mean, we can go in. We could go into conversations about being Jewish and being in Hollywood and trying to win Oscars, and in regard to Munich and all those sorts of things. Because I'm pretty well aware of that stuff outside of knowing you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Romulus, which was shot up the back of Castle Main somewhere, wasn't it mostly? Yeah, Molden, Molden, Victoria. Now yeah. those two are in your top whatever. I mean, we shouldn't be making lists of it. I don't mean yeah. to bring yeah. you to that because I don't like it myself. But I asked the question that it, uh, it clearly it's not about the size of the movie. No, and the the weird thing ha- happens on a film is that they all become the same size. You get on the set and it's a conversation between you and the director and the person you're doing the scene with that day. And there's your A camera operator and focus puller and a guy with a boom. Yeah, so and no matter what size the film is, that equation is always the same. You could have the biggest podcast in the world, but it would look exactly the same as mm. this one. And the same thing happens in film mm. if you don't, look out to the sides. Yes. You know? Yeah. And it's really quite funny sometimes. I've been on some film sets where you're just doing a little scene with you and your co-star and you look out to the side and you think, what are they all doing? <laughs> what <laughs> could what they you... possibly be doing? Not, not busy enough? Or no. <laughs> there can't be that many jobs? Or So, I mean, those days are, are, are fewer now because the, the, the strings have been tightened. Um, okay, so there's a, there was a few peripherals there, there, you reckon? There was there was a few years there where you know a lot was gotten away with, because um, there's plenty of money around. I suppose. Yeah, there was a lot of there was a lot of money around for it. Quite the early a long magazine time. days were very exactly good. the four days I spent good in Venice them. testing motorbikes. I can remember was <laughs> one of the best trips I've had. So, and yeah. what a, that brings me to now in acting for for us people that don't do it, it's it's kind of. It's magic. It's a magic world. I watch my son play the piano and I've got no clue what he's doing. I'm thinking there's some type of wondrous spirituality going on mm. here. Now, I'm not stupid enough to think, oh, that's what it's about. But it must matter when, say, you and I have got to act in a scene and you don't like me personally or mm-hmm. you know, I'm a known pain in the ass, can be difficult, whatever. For some reason you go, I can't stand this prick and I'm working with him for three months. Mm. Does that affect the acting? No, okay. It really doesn't. Weirdly enough, it's it's never for me. It's just is is all it affects is is it going to be more fun when they yell cut with this person? Right. Okay. Not about the job because I think all of us at that level are professional enough that it, it actually doesn't affect your work. Yep. Um, okay. And I, I don't believe in in the um, false creation of tension and all that sort of bullshit you hear you know some people have a theory that you know oh, if we if we put these two people together and they hate each other's guts it'll be good we'll get more out of it might Mm. be the opposite actually Mm. Um, i would have thought it'd be opposite it might be you know and and there's plenty of cases where you you hear of uh a perfect example a male and a female co-star who hated each other's guts but have done a fantastic romantic lead role together or the other way around 
where someone said they had no chemistry, those two. And then you find out they were shagging all mm. the way through the film. Mm. You know, so it just goes to show. I don't think that's always... Rusty and Meg come to mind. <laughs> I don't think it's always um, essential. So, no, I don't think... It, I think it just affects... It affects the tone of the working environment, but it doesn't affect, I don't think, anyone's quality of work if they're, if they're professional. Uh, well, I guess that... Um... In the same way that a game of football, if you might have someone on your team you don't really like, but it's not going to stop you from kicking shouldn't, the ball. Shouldn't stop you from handballing to him. No. Well, I know that I've worked in you know lots of different magazines. I've worked with people that I can't stand. It hasn't hopefully hasn't affected the product. So that's probably what we're talking about. But there's a bit more art to what you do. Um, I I imagine for people that do things at a higher level intellectually or whatever, um, any little interruptions to that can make a change. I think Mick Dorn can lose a second if he's not right, you know. But also we've got the luxury, Greg, of if if I'm not having a good time with someone, it's really temporary. That's right. right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to be home in a month. Yeah, um, let's work our I'll way I'll be working with someone else in three months. Um, so, I mean, touch wood, I've had a really good run. I've, I've worked with a ton of fantastic people. Yep. Um, well, you've picked and choose really, fairly well too. Rarely have I been on a set that was had a kind of you know tinge to it um so i've been pretty fortunate there um i think the worst person is the high maintenance person in any field of life where you go can we just get this freaking thing done <laughs> or the bludger or the late one or and i imagine in, in your world that happens where someone's yeah. late or they they haven't rehearsed or that person just pisses you off you know yeah. you're making my day harder because i'm working and i imagine the crew would hate it yeah, I mean, again, I've been lucky. I've worked with a lot of great directors, and most people bring their A game yep. when you're working with, you know, the the the, the top top people. So, um, Spielberg, tell me about working with Spielberg. Oh, I mean, just, that's everyone wants, must ask that question. But um, it was it was so special in so many different ways. It's 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 a really hard one to talk about without sounding either like a wanker or sycophantic. Yes. Um, well, I think you've earned the right to be past that. <laughs> <you know? laughs> but he just was. He was just He was just cliche, but the nicest, most generous, um, but at the same time professional mm. people. Very calm, um, but at the same time intense in terms of getting what he needed, giving, um, learn a lot working with him yes in terms of you know the great people really are really good listeners as well mm. and he had his ears open to all the key people that he worked with yeah it wasn't a one-stop shop it wasn't yep. the steven spielberg show it was but part of the spielberg show is that he listens to his producing partner that he listens to his director of photography that he listens to his actors that he, and then he directs mm. um lack, lack of ego yeah, I mean, I'm sure there is one there, but it doesn't it doesn't manifest itself in a tyrannical way. Yeah. Um, and I think the best directors do that. The yeah. best directors are able to channel channel their talents in that in that way. So yeah, it was just and and also it was the kind of movie we were working on. It was a piece of material that I knew meant an incredible amount to him. Yes, both. You had a lot of responsibility there. Oh, my, I couldn't even think about that. I, mm. I couldn't go there until afterwards. Um, and, and just yeah, the level of trust, um, the level of 
friendship, the warmth, uh, the humor. Really funny guy. Really yeah. funny guy. Um, so it was just, there was a bit of everything. And, and and on top of that, I was in a film that's my my go-to film to go and watch. Mm. If I saw a trailer for that film, I'm, go- I'm, going, I'm yeah. there on day one. Yeah. I don't care who's in it, who's directing it. I'm going to that film. Yeah. So it was like, it was to me, yep. the kid in the candy store. Every day I looked in the mirror and saw myself dressed in those 70s clothes with the sideburns and mm. there'd be a Citroen DS parked out front. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When you put it like that, <laughs> I see you it. Know, yeah. everyone's, in, everyone's in period garb. Everything's perfect. Everything's um, set dressed within an inch of its life and you are in 19... 19- Seventy-seven. Yeah, I've I've watched yeah, it. It was just you can't pick a hole in that. <sighs> Must have been a lot of work. That it's a good movie. It's a very good movie. It's got great subject matter. Yeah, and it must have been a tough role. That it it, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was one of the easiest jobs Emotional I've ever had. Role. It, yeah, I mean, it was tough mentally and physically. Um, and the best example of that was towards the end of the shoot, uh, to the beginning of the shoot. You know, depending on what stage my character was in, you know, we had to put, you know, like bags under my eyes and all that sort of stuff, you know, show what he was going through and his lack of sleep and stuff. I remember getting towards the end of the shoot. I got back from work and I was by myself at this stage. Rebecca and the kids had gone home. And I got home and I went to go and brush my teeth. I looked in the mirror. I'm like, oh, idiot. I forgot to take my makeup off. And I've grabbed the face washer and I've started scrubbing away at my face and there's I look down at the white washer and it's there's nothing on it. It's you. <laughs> so it was just like, oh, okay. I we might got be to, working we too got hard. To, we got to that point. There's no, there's no. They're not putting anything on me. <laughs> um, so that's a an example of what it was doing. But I wasn't really aware of it. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't getting a whole lot of sleep. But um, besides that, that would have been a pretty long shoot, wouldn't it? That one. Um, not for that kind of film. It was pretty quick. It was it was about let me think. It's seventy seven days, seventy four days. It was about three months. Right. It could have been five. You know, doesn't seem so um, long. Yeah, and yeah. For the amount of different number of locations and different setups, and uh, and I, that was the only film it's it's ever happened where I got a I got a, a production break. It's never never happened before. Never come close to it. What's a production break? Okay, you so so you're on the film for for three months. You're one of the leads. Well, obviously you're there a few weeks before the film starts, and you're there until the last piece of film goes through uh, the camera. Yeah, yeah. But on that production, there was two weeks in the middle where they were shooting the flashback to the Munich Olympics, uh. and Spielberg, being the absolute gent that he was, said, "You go home, son. Have a break." You go home and see oh, the family. Rather than sit in your hotel and just be on Just around. on the off chance. that He just went, no, I'll just not require you for that period oh, and not. you can go home. That's so thinking I, about it. It's the only time it ever happened. I, I snuck home for about 10 days. I don't think I took the 450 out. I don't think I did. No, I know that uh, a, <laughs> they get a little bit tetchy about some of the... I don't think you own up to everything you do. And now it's probably not the time, Eric. And, you know, you're not jumping out of aeroplanes. But, you know, you've been known to... Uh, you know, you don't sit at home with your, on your hands and uh, the, the cars and no, bikes come a, out. But it's never an issue, right? Because, as I said before... Because you're very skilled. Well, no, it's never an issue because I've never been allowed to go home when I'm on a film. Yeah, okay. So Never come up. It's never come up, you know? So, uh, yeah. All right, and so what's next? What's going... You know, you're home, um, you've got your lovely home life and... Uh, yeah, I've got a why couple... Why don't you just hang them up and say, look, you know, I'm going to relax and, you know, drive race cars and... Well, because I get enough downtime as it is. You know, okay. 
I think my biggest achievement is my kids always look at me and say, when are you going back to work? You know? <laughs> Seriously. It's also interesting that you don't take that as rude. When are you fucking going to hang them up? I take it as a compliment. I take it as a compliment. I'd so much rather that than when's he coming home? Um, I got given a task the other day by my son who followed it up with, it's not like you haven't got time. (laughs) Observant? Observant, slightly above your station, but observant. Well, yet they do bring you down to earth a little well, bit. I, I had a response to that, but we'll keep that. Yeah, yeah, keep off air. But, does, um, not everything needs to be known. No, there's no need. One of the good things about acting is there's no there's no point or need to ever retire. No, you know. And my, why? Why would you? My heroes are people like Duval. You know, he's he's my real acting hero because when you look at the, it's like he just at the beginning he goes, I'm just going to pace myself here. I yeah. got this shit worked out. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not the greyhound that's going to be leading at the end of the first lap. Yeah, you know. Um, and, and there's a lot to be said about that kind of career. Did you watch him? Did you? Yeah, I did. Did one film? Yeah, with, lucky, lucky with you Bob, was him. Lucky you, which was it's a what, good movie. Uh, it was. I enjoyed working with Bob. Deval was good, didn't I? Thought. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's one of the re- it's one of the reasons I I did the film, but um, yes, it's not it's not the greatest movie. He's but, an old um, master. I got to work with Duval, and that was fantastic. Um, and he was a ripping bloke, was he? Yeah, and had some great stories. And I just was a sponge, you know, because he is one of my favourites of all time. And favourites because he's been at 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 a level his entire career. Mm. He's never been the the it guy. He's never been. Uh, you know, out of, he's just been at the top of his game his whole career, yep. and that's that's something to aspire to. I yep. think that's far more interesting and sustainable. And you know, plenty of people that come and go. That's um, a good point. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah a, a fantastic character, dialogue guy. Fantastic. I was watching. Actually, there was a movie he was in the other night, which was terrible, but it was taking the piss. A James Bond spoof thing. I don't know oh, what really? the what fuck was, that? was he doing in that. It was on the other night. Gus was watching it. It was making me crook, but because I thought they were trying to be serious, but they're actually taking the piss. Yeah. Anyway, that's, that's an aside. We probably won't make it out to the <laughs> the finished piece. So, what's next? Like, um, what's the plan, mate? <laughs> what's the plan, mate? <laughs> uh, the plan is um, to uh, see my eldest through Year Twelve this year. Year Twelve. Yeah. So Jeez, it's, it, uh... I always think of Claire. So in my <sighs> mind, he's eight. He's not eight, is he? I've had a flag in 2017 since, help me with the math, since 2005. Have you? Well, in terms of, well, you know, that's that's, that's one of the years where where you're, you're going to be not doing too much work. Um, so that's this year. Um, I'll, I'll do something, but um, I won't be away for any extended periods of time this okay. year. Um, so that's the priority for this year yep. is... Um, Seeing seeing my eldest uh, graduate through his his final year of high school, which you know I just really can't believe that's actually well happening, and I'm very yeah. very proud. It's of It's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. What happened there? Like, there's a yeah. twenty years gap there. That yeah, of course it was there, and of course we were doing things, but I'm buggered if I know where it went. It, it makes you feel old. I mean, thank God Sophia's still at school. Um, but to think that, yeah, that that's that's the point that we're at now, where there'll just be one kid at school next year. It's it's, it's amazing. Um, but He's besides that, I've got yeah, there's a few films that I've, that I've got done that are in the can, as we say, um, that that haven't come out can't. yet. So I'll obviously have a bit of press to do for those. And 
reading now to to work out what to do next and also there's always something in development you know mm. so um, what about directing anything any interest um yeah I'll, I'll direct something again someday um i think love the beast was a good movie oh thanks mate um yeah and that sort of gave me a taste for it i thought this is hard enough it would be a lot easier if you turn up to work and everyone knew what we actually were trying to do because they're following a script that'd mm. be novel <laughs> <laughs> I what is thought, it you're trying to make? Sort of a go-to position, that one. Um, so, yeah, that, I'd like to think that'll happen someday. Um, may or may not be working on something at the moment for, for long term. So, yeah, there's always something to chisel away at in the background, even yeah. when you're seemingly not busy. They're usually the times that you are, and the, the times that it looks like you're busy is when you're usually sitting on your bum. Now, I don't want to put you on the spot because I've got you, you know, the disadvantage of the microphone, but... Uh, the 2020 uh, snag three-month round Australia ride is uh, gaining momentum, mm. as you know. You don't want too many people, though, do you? What, you're going to end up with 12, 12 well, blokes. I'll tell you what will happen here, and I've, you know, I've done this on a more limited scale than a three-month round Australia ride. It'll be up to Fish Creek for the weekend. Uh, I will get 36 blokes that are coming. To Albury? No, two will come. They'll all be, oh, I'm in. I'm yeah. in. I've seen this before. But are you after a sort of plug-and-play model? Are you are you seeking someone might meet you in Gosford and disappear in Queensland? Someone I, might I actually, travel from Melbourne I, to the Blue Mountains with you? Someone that's very might, possible. I don't give a shit. Right. Um, I'm going. Uh, that's I've learned to do this too. You, yeah. What you do, instead of trying to fucking yeah. herd cats... You put a mark up there on that calendar. Good idea. And you say, I'm going. If you want to come, come. Because I don't give a shit if I go on my own. Yeah. But there's certain blokes I'd love to do it with. What you're one. Mick Hone's shown great interest, and he's not the sort of bloke that would. He'd be handy. That's what I said. <laughs> I said, you can come and bring your tool along. <laughs> yeah. And a lathe and a mill. If we have any trouble, we'll be in the pub. Um, Mick is. He's not allowed to ride up the front. No. <laughs> that's right. Sweep. <laughs> Sweep. Um, so that's what'll happen. There'll be all these blokes that piss and wind. Yeah. Um, there'll be a couple that are serious and I'll probably go by myself, but I don't care. I've always wanted to do it. Mm. I'm 60 in 2020. 60 for fuck's sake. That's an old bloke. Um, and I reckon you can pack up an adventure bike. Now I've got no interest in climbing big red. I just want to go around Australia. And then if you, if there's a nice seaside village, stay a couple of days and walk around and take it in. And, and, uh, I think three months is what you need to do it properly. Yeah, I think so. And it's far enough away. So yeah. I want you to put it in the bank. Okay. If Spielberg or... Put a flag in it, like put, I put a flag in put 2017. Fl- 2017, sun finishes year 12. Hang on, nine, hang on, where's Sophia at? 20. So you have... Nine, Sof- 10, 11, 18, 19. Do you know what? That, that's Sophia's year 12 year. So... Well, we'll have to go when she's not studying. But she's a good studier, so she's, she's on autopilot that way. She'll one. have it done. She'll have it done the year before. Can you just say, look, can you knock it off in 19, please, Sophia? She probably could. So you put put a flag I'll in put it. put a flag in that. But I'll be going... I'll follow to Albury at the least. Or, it's a good run to Albury. <laughs> uh, so around Australia, that's the dream. So I want you to, uh, you know, if as I say, if Scorsese rings up... He hasn't got a chance now. No, he's out. I don't think you'll make it anyway, poor old Marty. He's getting... You're not podcasting all the way around, are you? You're not taking this... We're not working. There is no work. No work. I won't even take a fucking pen. You won't turn it into a book? 
or a book My office. My motorcycle you odyssey. <laughs> oh, you never know. Like, me or Charlie Borman. We, actually, we, we'll need a, a halfling and a followers along behind. And... Does anyone anymore go on a motorcycle trip without uploading it or posting it? No. No one, it, no one has it's, smashed avocado without fucking posting it. It's now. amazing. I've stopped doing that. I was doing that. I was actually documenting my life to the point where as if it wasn't up online, I wasn't doing it. And it's a real issue. Yeah. I went to a Neil Young concert a couple of years ago, and he's a favourite of mine. I mean, if you don't like Neil Young, something wrong with you. And he, there were people holding up, watching through their lens, and there was hundreds of them. He stopped the song, and he said, and he was respectful, mm. wasn't ready. He said, I'm just going to ask you, you mind putting down your phones? Wow. Because all I'm looking at is phones. Yeah, and and he, good on him. And they and most people did. Yeah, he just said, just try and be here, you know. I'm up here, mm. so it was disconcerting for him as an artist, and that was for me that was meta, a metaphor for the greater life. You have a look at everywhere you go, people are watching their life through a fucking lens, through a mm. a three by two screen. So no. Got a bit serious there for a moment, but yes, mm. I think we shouldn't do that. And particularly if you're there, you don't want that. Well, I think I think there's a lot to be said for Instagram and and all that stuff. Oh yeah, you're a, you're a freak for it. You're always taking photos and loading them up. <laughs> you know, I'm not bad. I'm happy with it. Mind you, I will take a couple of this, but yeah, you do do that. You use it as a travel log kind of thing, don't you? Me, not me. Oh yes, no. when we went we went to Wilson's Promontory. That, that's not on social media. That's just I'll oh, take a photo of you and I. That didn't didn't make it. To, no, no. I, I thought that was Instagram. No, not on Instagram. Aren't you? No. What I'm are on you Twitter. on? You're that's on Twitter. It. Yeah. You don't even use that much, do you? No, not much. Just once every now and then. Um, I've got a I've got an anonymous Instagram, so I can follow people and I can share mm. things with family and stuff. But um, no, not not public. So you wouldn't. You don't do any of that from a movie set or anything like that? No. no. I, I'm supposed to. Are you? But I... They oh, want I, you to do it. Well, yeah. I mean, I've, but they... Do you know what? They figured me out, so I don't get too much pressure on that. Um, and I don't have the sort of... I don't have a following that's reflective of me being in movies. It's more people who are also into cars, motorcycles, and football. Yes. And they're not coming to me for for film exclusive stuff. Yes. They're not even really coming to me for uh oh, how do I explain it? Um I enjoy it cuz I feel like it's just like-minded people yes. that I'm that I'm, you know, having a conversation with. Um I don't use it for promotional stuff. Um not saying I never would, but I tend not to. Very rarely will yeah, I post something to do. Yeah, it's with a work. long way from an addict. But I always thought when you were taking, because I, I, you take photos. Oh, you I lo- do I, take photos. I lo- love love taking photos. But you keep them for your own yeah, personal yeah. gratification. Love, love cameras, love photography, love taking photos. Um, but it's usually yeah, just for it's not going myself. out there. Yeah. All right. Well, anything you want to, you know, anything you want to promote because this is reaching. I know. Anything you want to sell. Um, um, and you want to make any appeal to anybody? Or so, I wouldn't mind buying something right now. What's that? Some food. Coffee. <laughs> I think we head down to Driftwood. Do you yeah. think? What do you think? We'll, we go down to Driftwood. Is there safe I'll parking buy, for buy, the coop? Buy your lunch. Safe parking? Uh, or is it one of those ones where I have to drop you off and do a blocky? 
come back and pick you up with takeaways. Oh, look, oh, I'm not, we can't do side by side. I'm not parking. a logistics bloke, Eric. I just, I just do talent, you know. So <sighs> I'm, the parking fellas down, we could get like if we're right out the front, you're good. If there's a spot, but if you're not there, why don't we take my car? What happens with my car? Well, we're in a cul-de-sac at the back of. Uh, Is my car still there? Well, you'd know. I've if been it, here a while. You'd fucking know if it wasn't, mate. I heard it bloody three streets away. Or if they're good, you wouldn't. Fuck. Have you got an immobiliser on it? He's actually left the room. Now, he's, you know, award-winning actor. Um, just think amongst you. Talk amongst yourselves. Is it there? Yeah. Right. Good. All right. Well, I think we should wind up, Eric. It's a. Um, I'll, I'll wait till you get back in the room. Uh, what do you think, Driftwood Cafe, or we? Uh, that's the, that's the best food, Nation Grow. Mate, I'm at the point where I'll eat eat the leg off a cancerous Millies. Job. Right, Driftwood Cafe. That's in the terrace. It's a fantastic. Uh, if you, <laughs> Eric Banner eats there. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, thanks, mate. It, Thank you. It's always a pleasure, and it just sounds like feels like a phone call, doesn't it? You didn't swear though. You did not. I don't think you swore. Once. I might have let out an F in reference to football, maybe. When, you got, one? when we got on the grand final. Right. Okay. So I think it was slightly, you were down a little bit in that area. Yeah. But everything else was there, I thought. I try, I, I'm trying to help you get your numbers up because I think you said that if you if there's too many swears, I don't you get can't. My, iTunes gets funny. Yeah. They don't like you swearing. So um, we, do you reckon we'll get to 201? It's 200. I don't know. It? If you share. I'm trying to think if I've said anything, I'll regret. No, uh, well, I'll play it to you before you go if you want, but you don't want to, that's before, <laughs> no, you, that's before you get the driftwood. <laughs> All right, mate. Well, look, a great pleasure Thank to have you. That's Eric Banner, um, very good friend of mine and a good bloke. Um, you know, share this around, will you? I, you know, I don't want to keep having to ride motorcycles very well and very fast the rest of my life. Um, that snag says uh, Podcast 8 with Eric Banner. Uh, and uh, I don't know who I've got next. I'll worry about that later. All the best. Bye. Okay. Oh, folks. While I'm here, whoop, stop everything. Shush. Uh, just quickly. You still got a chance to uh, vote for Snag Says uh, at the Castaway Awards. www.castawayawards.com. Uh, yes, um, acceptance speech might be worth it. Go there, uh, log in, go vote for a podcast. It'll send you an authentication email, and uh, all you got to do is click that and say, "Yeah, I'm a real person. I didn't vote for this guy via bot or whatever the fuck it is." By all means, please. Give us a vote. Who knows? It'd be funny seeing me in a bloody bow tie for starters, wouldn't it? Uh, go to it. Thanks. Bye.